As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hi, hello, friends, and welcome to this edition of the Sixers Talk Podcast. I am Paul Hudrick, and I am joined by our esteemed producer and co-host, Ben Berry. Uh, Danny Piles is still out and about doing his thing, enjoying life. So uh, we'll get him back next week and get him back in the mix and get his thoughts on some of the crazy stuff that has gone on NBA-wise. Uh, we're going to today, Ben, talk specifically about the Sixers, uh, talk about Joel Embiid, everything, uh, his comments, uh, what he showed up to uh, the airport in. We're going to talk a little bit all about all, all that. Uh, a bunch of stuff about the bubble, some things we've seen coming out about the arrangements and uh, about the food that some players have not been uh, pleased with. But I think definitely Embiid is, is the place to start here. When, you know, first we'll go back to his comments. When he flat out said, I hated the idea of the bubble um, because I know that I'm going to follow the rules. I know that I'm going to be safe but I don't know that everyone around me is going to be safe. And Ben, I feel like as human beings, you and I who are both taking this thing seriously, we can definitely relate that maybe not everyone else is around us. So when you hear those comments from Joel and B, what are, you, what are your first thoughts? It's the class project all over again, isn't it? Like, <laughs> hey, you guys, you're going to work on this, you and four other people. You look over, it's like, I, yeah, Paul's cool. Steve is cool. Danny, I, I can rely on him. But, yo, like, can we trust Ben right now? It's the class project all over again. You can do as hard – you can work as hard as you want. You can follow the rules and do your part. It just takes one person to mess it up. And we're counting on, what, is 20, 22 teams win? 24? I don't know. 300-plus players and then uh, coaches, coaches and staff. staff and members. The people, the people working in the restaurants and the, the service, security, you got to – everyone has to hold up their end of the bargain for everything to run smoothly. And I think we're all realistic or any realistic person would say, I do, I'm not betting money on that. Like, it's hard enough to expect – you got 15 guys if everyone's going to do their job. We just watched the last dance two months ago and during the NBA Finals practice – Rodman was nowhere to be found because he was body slamming people on WCW Nitro. <laughs> so, and that was a championship team. And that was people that had done it before, like great caliber. You, you expect these guys to not break the bubble, to not adhere to the rules. That's a lot. To, that's a lot of expectations, unrealistic expectations. And that's, it's to the backdrop also of what we're looking at in Florida, which we can both acknowledge, Ben, you and I are not doctors or medical experts. We don't, study infectious diseases, so we don't know 100% what we're talking about. But what we do know is that the cases aren't going down in Florida, the hospitalizations aren't going down in Florida, 
Um, I, I know some people have said, oh, well, the death rate's not going up. Well, it's like, well, this thing kind of goes in steps. Like, first it's going to be cases, then it's going to be hospitalizations, and then, sadly, unfortunately, it's going to be death. So, I mean, these players are taking a risk. I hear some of the people saying, like, oh, yeah, like, oh, these guys, they're, they're in peak physical condition. They're millionaires. They'll be fine. To an extent, you're right. But there are staff members who are not millionaires, who are not peak athletes in peak physical condition. And what happens if one of those people get it? What happens if we get to the second round and a family member comes in? Like, you know, there are just so many, like you said, Ben, it's just expecting all of these people to all follow rules and to, for no one to slip up. It's just not, it's not logical to expect that to happen. And, like, so what? They're millionaires. They still don't want it. Like, there's no amount of money you could pay me <laughs> to be like, okay, I'm okay getting sick with anything. Like, you never appreciate being healthy until you get sick. And I'm sure we've all had, like, a bad meal here or there that you're just miserable for the rest of the day. That you think, like, man, I really take it for granted how nice it is to be able to walk around and, like, my stomach not hurt or not have a headache. <laughs> now we're talking about something that lasts two weeks. If the symptoms are bad or it's hard to breathe and stuff like that, fevers, there's no amount of money you can give me to sign up for that. We also don't know, and Embiid mentioned this as well, we don't know the long-term effects. None of us do because no one's – it's only these are things that have only been documented documented in the past few months. So we don't know what the long-term effects are. So, yeah, maybe a guy – maybe a player does recover from it. Um, we saw uh, Jim Salisbury, who is the absolute goat of baseball writers, and we're very lucky to have him. He had a one-on-one exclusive with Scott Kingery, who had it. And this is a young man. I think Kingery's, what, like 24, 25 years old, in peak physical condition who had it. And he described it as hell. Like, it was, like, horrible. And we don't know the long-term effects. Like, is it going to scar his lungs permanently? Like, we just don't – not to say it will 100%, but we just don't know. Don't and know. I think that's – the biggest issue that I have with it and that I think where Joel Embiid, I think, has 100% the right to feel this way is that none of us know the long-term effects. None of us are infectious disease experts or doctors. We don't know. Those are the people we should be relying on. So it's I – com- I compare it to chicken pox. I will say most of everyone we know, for the most part, has had it. Have you ever met an adult that never had it? And they hear about, like, hey, their kids are going to school with a kid that has it or something like that, or, like, someone at work might have it. Like, they freak out, and understandably so. Like, I don't want to have to get it if I don't. I don't want to get it if I don't have to. Like, I, I had chicken pox as a kid. I have shingles now that comes on later. Some people some people get it. Some people don't. It's a pain in the behind. Like, it was, it's annoying. It, it only popped up once, like, when I was in middle school or high school. But it was just itch and like, yeah, no, it didn't. It didn't harm me. Didn't no long term effects or anything like that. But it's not you like I'm gonna sign it. up for it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want it. Like I don't know why that's so hard to believe. Understand? They get paid millions of dollars. They'll be okay. You know I what? hate that. Yep. Yeah, like there's no amount of money you can give me Jeff Bezos money, and I'm not signing up for <laughs> anything that's a disease. I don't know for Jeff Bezos money. No, no, I'm just, I'm totally kidding. Totally kidding. I don't want food poisoning. I hear – no, I hear you. And it's – and speaking of chicken pox, we've also – there's been studies that have shown herd immunity is not the way to do it. Uh, that's not going to work. So that's like – it's 
so many factors into why, and we've, I mean, we've talked about it a ton on, on this, about how these guys are still human beings and they're still taking a risk. I mean, I don't care how much money they make. I don't care how healthy they are. There is a risk. And then the other factor on top of that, Ben, we talked to Shake Milton as well, who as strong a stance as I've heard from any player uh, going to Florida from Shake Milton. And he said that he does not think the league should be playing, not only because of the global pandemic we have going on, but then everything we have going on in our society with all the issues of uh, racial inequality and injustice. And, you know, I, I know Shake, uh, maybe some people don't realize it, but if you follow Shake on Twitter, he's been really outspoken about this. This is something that's really hit, really, and you can see it in some of these guys, like Mike Scott, too. Like, Mike Scott's normally a really bubbly, fun, energetic guy, but even he was just, like, it was more of like a somber outlook on it. And uh, again, just going back to Shake, you see, like, his tweets, you know, the one he put out there, his statement was just really – it was a guy who just had had enough. You know what I mean? And, and that's – I understand. That's, that's the sentiment of a lot of people who feel that way. And, you know, he's the guy who's from Oklahoma. He's not far uh, – didn't grow up far from Tulsa. So, I mean, you know, going back to that in the, in the 1921 uh, Tulsa race massacre, I mean, this is all stuff that I'm sure he grew up around and grew up knowing about that, quite frankly, isn't in our history books. And so, you know, I get why he comes out and he's so staunchly against the league wanting to come back, but he's willing to do it for his teammates and because he knows it's his job. But he, I, I totally support him voicing his opinion, and I think it was great that he did it. I love that he voiced his opinion. I think it was great, and it wasn't like, hey, everyone else is thinking this. I'm just following. It took some courage, uh, show values, characteristics of a leader. I would say for him or anyone that felt that way, the only not the only way, but a big way to make a point or make a statement would have been not to play. Like if him and many other players, like we're not playing. We're, and like, cause once we start playing, people are going to stop thinking about police brutality or other things. And this is going to get their mind off. It. Cause I've had conversations with people with the whole conversation and debate about police brutality, human rights, Black Lives Matter would have been as strong if we would have had sports going on, even though the George Floyd video would have been released. Would it have been the same way? I think it would have still been intense, but without sports, without people stuck in a house, I don't think it – I think that's what played a big role in why it was so big. So if him and other players wanted to sit out, I would completely understand it. it it's not – it says a lot while not saying anything. Like – a similar way I feel about college athletes that want to get paid. It's way too many of them for this ever, everyone to get on board with this, especially if you're not on a scholarship. But if you was to say, you know what, we're just not playing this week. If like everyone just didn't play like the first week of college football season or at the beginning of the NCAA tournament, no one played. They blew the whistle, no one played. That would get everyone's attention. And then you have more conversations to set a, a surface level thing. It would, it would have been amazing to see the players do that. I understand why they didn't, though. But for Shake to speak up, I think it speaks volumes. Yeah, and then that was – I mean, Shake did say, you know, they, they kind of asked him why, and he said, I, I want to be with my teammates. If my teammates want to go, I'm going to go with my teammates. And, it, it, and I think other guys have felt the same way. Um, even though they do feel strongly about the situation going on, they – said, hey, if my teammates are going to go, I want to go because I want to be with them and I, I want to 
at least try. Uh, you know, the NBA has said they, they want to back players and they, they want to keep that message alive. We'll see what they do. Um, the jersey thing, obviously, I mean, we've talked about that. I think the, you nailed it when you said the intentions were good, but the execution, not so much. Um, and that's still the way I feel about it, too. And I'm curious to see what the NBA will do. But I, I, I get Shake's pers- I get both of Shake's perspectives. I get why he thought about not playing and why he thinks the league shouldn't be playing. But I also get him wanting to be with his teammates and thinking, hey, maybe if we're all together and we all put our heads together and we're all showing unity, maybe we can think of something to, to give this message, you know, to amplify this message and use our platforms for good while we're here, you know, while we're doing this, because let's be real, why we're doing this, we're doing this for money. But <laughs> that while we're there doing this for money, maybe we can also use it as an opportunity to lift this message and amplify this message. I completely hear you. They um, use it. I, I assume they're going to do the post-game press conferences over Zoom. They could do what Yes. Richard Sherman and the Seahawks did a couple years ago when they, Richard Sherman took his whole uh, media time and all he did was talk about uh, social injustice, police brutality, and Black Lives Matter for I think like two or three days straight, like 10 or 15 minutes a day. I think players can do that in post game or pre game or whatever. You can ask, ask me what we plan to do to defend Zion or stop LeBron, slow down Giannis, just answer questions about police brutality, what they're doing in communities, stop it. Just have an honest conversation with reporters who may or may not ever see it or have to experience it. I think that's the best way for them to go about it at this point. Yeah, and I, and I think it's good, you know, speaking of like reporters' responsibilities, I think the one thing that I think was good this week, you know, we, we talked to all these players for really the first time um, since, since all this happened in a true like media setting. And each guy got asked about it at some point. And I think that's important too. I think that's important for, to keep the conversation going as well as for us, you know, not to feed into the shut up and dribble crowd and allow these, like give these guys, like to your point, Ben, don't even let them, not don't let them, but don't force them to do that. Make it, give them the platform, say, Hey, this is what's going on right now in our world, in our society. What do you think? And I think that's just as crucial as anything. You know, yeah, the, the guys are going to want to use their platform, but we shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't be forced to do it in some way. We should be giving it to them. So I think that's a really good point by you. Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk right now. Um, I want to shift gears because now, you know, they're in the bubble. Uh, First of all, actually, let me ask you, because I know I was entertained as hell by it, but when you see Joel Embiid get out of an SUV, suit up in a hazmat suit, and then walk on a plane, then he puts up an Instagram post with the caption, (laughs) get rich or die trying, I just, what was your reaction? You're taking this all in, Ben. What are you thinking? The hazmat suit is amazing. because. It looks like it's for a larger human being, but not a seven-foot human being. It looks like it was custom. It, like, almost had to be, right? Yeah, like, because I don't know where you, you get a hazmat suit. Like, I looked them up <laughs> online. Like, you can get them from anywhere from $8 to, like, $200, I saw. But it still looked, like, too small, which was right. amazing. But it was hilarious. And then you add the caption to it, 
in this a subtle middle finger to everyone about everything, in my opinion, uh, it was like, hey, I'm a poke joke. I'm gonna make fun and poke jokes at this whole situation, and there's I'm not breaking any rules while going about it. So, like, if you if you want to reprimand me for it or make a statement, you're just bringing more light to a problem that I have or something I have. Uh, we, we don't see eye to eye on in a public sense. I thought it was amazing. Uh, <laughs> I it, it was fun. I kind of wish more players would do things like that. Um, some people were upset and thought it was immature. I mean, I've never heard Joel claim to be the most mature human being in the world. <laughs> we'll get to that because I definitely that's the topic I want to bring back around. But I, I looked at it too. Some people to, to deal with or cope with difficult situations turn to humor, right? That's something that a lot of people do. That's just the way they're wired. So to me, that's the way I took it. I mean, I don't want to speak for Joel, or, but I took it as I don't feel great about the situation. I'm uncomfortable, but you know what? I'm just going to roll with it, and I'm going ha- to make everyone around me laugh. I'm going to you know, bring a little levity to the moment. It is a serious moment. And he acknowledged that days ago. He acknowledged that it is a serious moment. So when you talk about maturity, I think the maturity was him stating his opinion to the press and not feeling like he was, you know, not feeling like he, he, he had to keep it inside or, or that he had to be, you know, speak, you know, step on eggshells, you know, talking about the subject matter. I thought that was the mature thing. This was him, like I said, I think like a coping mechanism of just him wanting to bring some levity to a serious situation. And I think he accomplished that. I thought it was great. I, uh, I was, you know, I was laughing the whole time that I saw it. And then I see the, the Instagram caption and it's just the troll Joel Embiid is pretty unbeaten in my book. Whose job was it to find that hazmat suit? That's what I wanted to know. Who called the round to get it custom made? He's got people. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> But and then uh, on top of that, we talk about his Instagram. You see in his story, he takes a picture of the food, um, which didn't look, I don't know, didn't look great, didn't look terrible. I mean, as, as we talked before the pod, like I, I have stayed in worse places. I have eaten worse food. Um, I, I, you know, I get the NBA players are accustomed to a certain lifestyle that um, their NBA skills afford them. But I, you know, I saw no issue with anything. But your first thoughts, you know, you see Joel Embiid with his, his post about the food. We've seen some other players. Um, Rondo, Rajon Rondo, not thrilled with the setup. Uh, and then I saw Terrence Ross. I don't know if you saw it, Ben, but he took an Instagram of the lounge area, which does, I got to admit, does look kind of dope. Um, they have, like, four, like, arcade games set up. They got ping pong tables, pool table, um, like, a, I guess, PS, PS1 set up with a big TV or 2K or whatever. So it does look pretty dope. I mean, I don't know how guys are going to – I don't know how it's all going to work. Um, Josh Richardson also posted he was, like, out – you know, he was outside, um, kind of just sitting outside and relaxing, which you are allowed to do uh, in the bubble, apparently, because, you know, as long as you're adhering to the rules. But what is some of your initial thoughts as you've seen some of this stuff come in um, as far as the bubble and the food and all that? Let's start with the food. I'm cheap. It's free food. It looks solid. However, I'm not relying on playing 40 minutes of basketball every other night and to being – I don't make money off of being in peak physical shape. 
uh, of being a performer, being able to perform. I, and we, we're seeing pictures. I don't know how long, like, actually how big it is relative. It looks a little small for as large a human beings these guys are. Maybe that played a role in it. I, like, so I can understand if they feel like they're not getting enough food because Joel said he's going to lose weight and things like that. <laughs> My initial thought was, I know guys like LeBron will have their chef on campus somewhere. They're going to have well, this is – I mean, and let's be clear, too. So this is, from what I understand, this is what you're eating while you are quarantined. So, like, the first, whatever, 36 hours that these guys have to sit in a hotel room and pass two tests. Um, that's the food they get while they're, while they're quarantined by themselves in a hotel room. Once you get past that 36 hours, then I believe – that's when there's going to be chefs there. There's going to be all that. So they're going to be able to get their own stuff and it's going to be different. I do think that part of the um, traveling party, there is allowed to be a chef. I don't know if the Sixers are one of the teams that decided to do that, but that is put, that can be part of your traveling party if you wish to do that. But uh, I mean, and there's also, I, I don't know if you saw, there's like an approved list of places that guys can like order out from. And I did see that. Yeah, so it's not just going to be that food. I, I have a feeling the menu will be expanded <laughs> as we go on here. Um, but for the yeah, time but then, being, that's for the time being. That's what it is until they're out of the self isolation, self quarantining part. It's just it. I feel like I wouldn't be shocked if LeBron James shut this in the next room over. He might make be. it making some good stuff for him and everyone else. I, I can see I the Lakers wanting to make him happy and saying, yes, we, absolutely, your chef is part of the, yeah, of your, the your, chef, your chef and his whole family could be here. <laughs> I, I find it – I'm intrigued for how long before it's like J.R. Smith finds out, like, there's other food besides this, and he's, he's warming up some Kraft macaroni and cheese in his room. Like, stuff like that. Like, we're going to get some gems out of this. Oh, yeah. Sign Michael Beasley, like – I know he's going to get into something while he's there. Like, that's the only reason I want the Nets to kind of go a little far. Like, the longer the Nets are around, the more chances of a great Michael Beasley story. So, I can see him and J.R. Smith. Like, hey, man, I'm hungry. And they stop giving us food. Like, yo, you think we can make a Walmart run? Get some crab macaroni? <laughs> like, that's not out of the realm of possibility with those two. I think we might get some good stories out of this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think something like that, I, I could see there being – I mean, they talked – I know one of the things they, they – the handbook they sent out players, they talked about there being like a concierge who can kind of get them stuff. So I'm sure if LeBron is like, yo, I am craving this, there is a way for them to get that delivered to the perimeter of the bubble and then brought to LeBron safely. I'm sure there is a way to do that. Uh, uh, you, I don't know you 100% went, the facts, but... You, you went LeBron. So we got LeBron, then we got Michael Beasley, J.R. Smith. Ah, but I'm guy. sure even that... So, so, listen, because so, out of the safety for everyone else, because everyone knows their deal, I'm but here's sure my here, Here's my rebuttal. Like, leagues give players, like, drivers and stuff like that or pay for an Uber driver when they go out. And they still don't use it. That's true. So, That's true. I wouldn't be shocked if we, like, someone post on Twitter or Instagram like, hey, ho, here's J.R. Smith at the local Sonic. <laughs> I hear you. No, it's, it, it, again, it goes back to, like, we can't expect everyone to follow the rules. It's just someone – people are going to be – there's just too many people for no one to break the rules. 
Wilmington University extends its deepest appreciation to the brave individuals who are working tirelessly on the front lines to protect, serve, and care for us during this unprecedented time. Thank you. Will Mew stands with you. How about Jamal Crawford at 41 <laughs> signing a deal? Yo. He's going to be I, the leading scorer. Six, great. Um, for a team that's going to get blown out by 20 points probably every night they play. Um, and that's like – it's like Sixers fans are always in my mentions all season, like, oh, they need to sign Jamal Crawford. Listen, Jamal Crawford seems like a hell of a guy, had a really great career. But there is a reason no one signed him all season long, and it took the Nets losing how many players before they signed Jamal Crawford. I, I like the guy as a human. I think he's a great dude. I think he does some great stuff for the community, has done some great stuff for younger players around the league. I hope he does well. I, I, I do. But <laughs> – the reality is there's a reason why the Nets, who are the seventh seed in the East, and who are completely shorthanded, why they were the team that signed them. And so there's going to be one night where he's going to score like 35 on like 15 or 33 shooting, and then the Sixers fans are going to be like, oh, they should have signed him. Jamar Crawford, Crawford is the spark off the bench that a lot of teams need. He's going to get you buckets. He can go for 50 in any given night. I used to – being a big hip-hop fan, for anyone that's a hip-hop fan, this is how I compare Jamal Crawford. Wildly talented. He is the Buster Rhymes of NBA players. Listen to me on this, Paul. Okay. You got my attention but, for sure. Buster Rhymes, jump on the track. He can go nuts. You'd be like, yo, this is great. This is great. You buy a Buster Rhymes album and it's like, eh, Jamal Crawford. He can go for 50 any given night. You check at the end of the season, check his stats, you get anywhere from 12 to 18. Just okay. Bust the rhymes of the NBA. As a Tribe Called Quest fan who can acknowledge that Busta had some pretty good bars on their albums early on, it's a pretty fair analogy from that standpoint. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, he's just – the bottom line is he's, he's, a, he's an inefficient player. Now, listen, there was a time uh, – it was Colangelo's – I can't remember if it was his first, first year or what. Year. When Embiid was going to play. It was his quote-unquote rookie year when Embiid was finally going to play where Colangelo wanted to bring in uh, Jamal Crawford. I was all in on that because that was four years, four years ago. Um, he was still pretty darn good. I thought he would have been a great influence on that locker room that was still so young. So I was all in on him then. That was 2016. This is 2020. I'm pulling for the guy because, like I said, I'm a fan of him. But the reality, like, to think he was going to help a winning basketball team win a championship or, or, or go far into the playoffs, I think was just – I don't think that was ever a possibility. I don't think it, it's a must – I could see, like, I was shocked that the Lakers didn't pick him up instead of J.R. Smith. Like, and, yo, if LeBron gets J.R. Smith, if, I am. If LeBron gets J.R. Smith another ring, he's the greatest basketball player of all time. No debate It's whatsoever. still his guy. It's, still, it's yeah. clearly still LeBron's guy, even after yeah. everything. Still LeBron's I, guy. I'm still shocked J.R. Smith isn't, like, in a hole somewhere after watching <laughs> that game one of the finals the other year. No, like – he can come in and get you buckets. He can, he can still create his own shot, unlike J.R. Smith. That's like, not what the Lakers Mike, need, though. 
The Lakers need J.R. Smith to play. He's a pretty – J.R. Smith was a pretty underrated defender, in my opinion, so you need him to play decent defense. And if he's wide open, hit a three. That's all you need from J.R. Smith. You don't need him putting the ball on the floor and creating stuff. No, Hell no. Set. Stand there, let LeBron and AD do their thing, and if you're wide open in the corner, they'll find you for a three. That's it. That, that, that is true. But I'm, I mean for any team, but like J.R. Smith, I think he was a good defender a couple years ago. I think now he's just living off his name, which is good. Jamal bad, Crawford so. is 41 years old. You think he's going to be damn people up? I don't think he's going to be damn people up. I think if you need points off the – if you need a bucket, he will get it. And a lot of teams – if you need a bucket, they don't have someone that's going to be able to get you a bucket. If I you think need that's a bucket, a he will take a long two. I think that's a problem the Sixers had in years past. It might be a problem they have now. We don't know. We'll see once the playoffs start. Because late in game, Joel gets tired or whatever, foul trouble. Ben is not going to go. He's not going to uh, pull up. He might drive it like. It's something we've all been frustrated about by him not being more aggressive. Like, at I'll times, my, the six – Take my chance with Shake Milton in that spot, then Jamal Crawford. I, 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 I hope Shake does it. But up until, what, February, it wasn't like previous years. Like, we didn't know Shake was going to do that. We wanted him to get playing time. He should have been getting playing time, as we said before in this pod. But the Sixers, other team, they need someone to get a bucket at times. I just think you're thinking of Jamal Crawford from, like, four or five years ago. I don't think you're thinking of right now Jamal Crawford, who, yeah, he scored 50 points in his last NBA game, but it was for the Suns, and they got their butts kicked. So it's like – I like They got the butts kicked on purpose. It was Dirk's last game. Sure, but that, that just even just brings home the point even more. Like, it's just – again, love him. Hope he does great. Don't see that happening. I want to get back to Joel Embiid for a minute because – what I've been interested in with him, we've seen it all season long that he just kind of had, like, mentally, he, he's been a little off, right? Like, you know, he gets in a fight with Cat, and then um, he said, you know, he says, like, oh, I have to be mature, you know, more mature after he gets suspended. Talks about not having as much fun. He gets called out by Barkley and, and Shaq. Uh, you know, it's just all these little things all year. The shushing of the crowd at one point. Uh, giving the middle finger to Herder. Like, he's been kind of all over the place with that kind of stuff. To me, these last few days, this is the most I've seen Joel Embiid be Joel Embiid all season long. And uh, to me, that's a good thing. I I think he, as much as I don't, you know, I'm worried about him from a mental standpoint of, I don't know that he feels he's safe. And I get that as a human being. I totally understand that. But it seems like he is in a good place as far as basketball goes. And I, I want to see more of it. I think he's happy for the first time. I'm not saying he was unhappy or disgruntled before. So maybe ha- happy is the wrong word. Comfortable. He's comfortable being himself again because at the beginning of the season, he said he, was gonna, he wasn't going to trash talk and he was just going to go out there and play. But if that's not you. you tr- you're becoming something like – and you're not having fun and – if you're doing something that you enjoy doing but not when it's not fun, becomes draining. And it's like some guys when they played in the Patriots and they left. Yeah, we did well. Maybe they were on a championship team. Maybe they weren't. But when they left and they got to be themselves, for the guys that didn't, 
prescribed to the patriot way. And he's like, no, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying myself a lot more. He seems to be enjoying himself again. Um, that's good because for someone as good as him, the Sixers need him to enjoy himself, to have fun, and just relax because he's not enjoying himself, so he's wound up tightly. And it's – I don't know. Maybe it's putting other guys on the edge or whatever, but you want – you. You play basketball or you play sports the best when you're loose. You got to have fun and you're not overthinking and you just go out there and have a good time. And that's what I think has finally happened with him. He's not worried about are people going to get upset if I tweet this or if I put this on Facebook or Instagram. I'm not worried about what Chuck or Shaq has to say or Jalen Rose or Kendrick Perkins now. He's finally fully comfortable and confident and like, hey, this is me and I can't be anyone else. I can't be I can't be LeBron. I can't be Kobe. Can't be Shaq. I can only be Joel Embiid. And I think it goes beyond basketball, right? I mean, just from a human being standpoint, he just turned 26 years old. To me, this is him becoming like, and we, you and I, I mean, I don't know about you, Ben, but I, <laughs> when I was around that age, you are starting to me, like you're feeling more like an adult and you're kind of balancing hey, I still want to be me with, hey, I need to grow the hell up. And it's not an easy thing to do from a human being standpoint to do that. And when you're someone like him who is doing it in, a, in the spotlight in a city like Philadelphia, that's really difficult. So I think that's the one thing I think people kind of lose sometimes is that, and, and it's something we've talked about a bunch, it's just the age and the human element of him being you becoming an adult <laughs> that's that's a that's not an easy transition to go through I mean I, I really struggled with it and it took me a long time to feel that way and I didn't have you know it didn't happen in front of a, a full arena of people in front of press and in front of an entire sports fan base yeah it, t- it takes a while um a lot of people like a lot of like historical people we learn about in school or look up to like they really found their voice like in their thirties. And we're talking about someone that plays or entertains people day in and day out in front of thousands of people in the arena, millions that watch at home and is trying to find their voice. Like, yo, I can't tell you some of the stuff I was doing at college or like right after college. Like, and it's not, I was out here doing like awful things. It's just like, yo, like I was an adult by age and like, I, I made, smart decisions is just I could have done it more efficiently or like it was better things to do or how to handle my time or react to things and it takes some time it takes some life experience we saw Kobe Bryant great example arguably top five greatest player of all time depending who you talk to Kobe at 30 was different than 20 and Kobe at the end of his career was different at 30 like it takes some it takes some growing pains. It takes some learning, falling down, speaking up, people correcting you or showing you like, hey, maybe try it this way along the way. Just because you signed a big contract doesn't mean like, okay, I got this all figured out. I know how to handle any and every situation. It takes time. Ben, do you know how old I was when I interned at NBC Sports? Well, what was then Comcast Sportsnet? Oh, you were... 21. <laughs> no. You said intern. Wait, 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 wait. Interned. Interned. 
I was a late bloomer, Ben. 26? I was 30. Okay. I had turned 30 my, the day I entered. And just the point of that is just to say, like, hey, man, like, I, you're nailing it by saying, hey, we all find ourselves at different times, different points in our lives. The light bulb goes on for everyone at a different point. Um, so if it's going on for Joel and Bede right now, it's a pretty good time for it, and we'll see. I mean, we'll see if this being in this what, – what, what seems to be a better – a more himself, a more self-aware version of Joel Embiid, if that person is there, we'll see if that helps him on the basketball court. Uh, but, Ben, I want to give you the uh, last word before we sign off. Is there anything else you want to talk about with the bubble, with Joel Embiid, with, with anything going on basketball-wise? We're not basketball-wise. Why not? Well, this is what I want to say before we sign off. If you don't check out any of our other podcasts, Flyers Talk, Philly Talk, or Eagle Eye, download them, subscribe, give us five stars, and give us four stars, you're a hater. We're about to get sports back. I hope everything is safe. Even though the NFL thing is comical. I don't know if you saw that. They, they can't swap jerseys anymore. <laughs> but they're going to spend the previous hour tackling each other. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. Uh, but, no, we got sports coming back. Got plenty of uh, articles. Uh, that you guys and some of the other people on the uh, site are working on, staff are working on for the site. We got a special podcast coming for you guys next week. Uh, not going to let too much out, but special pod coming for you guys. We're going to get sports back. I hope they come back and everyone's healthy. I hope I'm wrong by saying they probably should slow down. But I think it's coming back. I, I'm hoping I'm going to be wrong. Yeah, I'm with you, Ben. I think, you, I think we've all been pretty consistent in saying that we love basketball, we want basketball back, but we're still pretty wary about the whole thing. So, yeah, so on that note, Ben, I think we're going to sign off. I want to say uh, on behalf of our esteemed uh, producer and, of course, co-host Ben Berry and pickup truck Chuck Steve Graham, who joined us today, uh, who is recording and helping us out. Uh, on behalf of them, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time on Sixers Talk. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.